light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Welcome, Talk Catholic, the website.com, your host, Tim Kilcoin. No agendas here, just the straight and narrow, through Mary to Jesus, the Catholic faith proclaimed and preserved. Hope to see you here every week. TalkCatholic.com in the new year, 2023, and we will be continuing on with our book review, You Shall Stand Firm, Preserving the Faith in an Age of Apostasy by Father William Casey of the Fathers of Mercy. But I wanted to just reiterate a real concern that I have expressed to many friends and especially an organization, the Men of St. Joseph. And in honor of St. Joseph for this new year, nobody could be more timely to be consecrated to and to look up to than St. Joseph as the true personification of real manhood. In a culture that is uh, having a hard time uh, defining gender roles, male, female, he still creates them. No more important time for regular guys to stand up. And in the last couple of years, we certainly have seen a violation of individual and personal rights at the political level, and it called for us as citizens to take a good hard look at our Constitution and exactly what did the founders intend for America, and they absolutely intended freedom, but not license, the freedom to do the right thing and to be a virtuous people. Freedom from tyranny, freedom from any one person or group of people trying to control the thought patterns of all its citizens. And that's exactly why we have the checks and balances uh, set up the way it is. But it basically, not only in a former show, I rattled off a number of quotations from the Thomas Jeffersons, Benjamin Franklins, George Washingtons, Abraham Lincolns, who clearly exhibited in their writings, ladies and gentlemen, a deep belief in a good God and almighty creator a Judeo-Christian God. And the connection between having faith and having freedom was always something they just kind of assumed. They never saw a time, at least they didn't predict it, of a total lack of faith and a situation where anarchy is beginning to overwhelm pockets of civilization within our, our walls. <laughs> so, so much for walls. My point in highlighting this is that we the people became the battle cry. If we want to get our country back the way it was intended to be, respecting those God-given rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness from cradle to grave, and before the cradle for that matter, then we have to do our due diligence at the local levels. And this is namely the school committee, the town hall, the parish council, exercising the Catholic principle called subsidiarity, that we at the local levels know better what the needs are of the community, our neighbor, than anybody thousands of miles away. And make it very clear what average everyday regular guy and gal voices are really saying at their kitchen tables. Because again, all too often, the enemy always operates out of fear and intimidation tactics. And the big jerk, 
Satan just assumes that if you just throw enough sticks and stones, that'll suffice from deterring the overwhelming majority of decent, law-abiding, good, praying people from doing what they need to do. For, for too much time over the past several decades, especially regarding what has happened in the courts, that has been the case. You know, the overwhelming, I've pointed out in a former show, you know, when prayer got ousted from the public school in 1962, there was no, there was no national cry for that to happen. That was a few people who were likely atheists, people like Margaret Sanger and Madeline Murray O'Hare, who just made enough noise in the courtroom uh, to get their way. And some of these people, her in, her in particular, O'Hare, spent her whole life trying to oust God from the public forum. So while the overwhelming majority of the people were God-fearing people, they weren't quite aware that we had such lone ranger select people squeaky wheels in the courts that were ever so gradually chipping away at the very foundation that the country was founded on. Well, I give all of this as a backdrop to the situation in our church because we do have parallel developments going on. We've I've referred, no doubt, and Archbishop Vigano, you know, very much coined the term uh, publicly. Uh, we have a deep church. There are many church workers, paraprofessionals, if you want to call them, or professionals with lofty degrees who are not Catholic in our church. As Mother Angelica would say, in days gone by, they would have just started their own Protestant church. But no, these people want to stay in the church and just kind of distort and skew it to their image. And they've done a heck of a job since Vatican II. And I personally have traveled these corridors as a lay Catholic religious educator for many years now. And I can vouch and verify completely and fully because I've had to work with some of these people. They weren't Catholic from the beginning. And yet they're teaching our children. They're 17 year olds and, uh, and other ages. They've been rewriting the textbooks since the 1970s. So. The time for the men of St. Joseph or any other organizations like that has absolutely come. And I go back to Pope Pius X, who was surrounded by a group of cardinals one time, asking them, what do you think is most necessary in the church? And they started raising their hands, more seminaries, more hospitals, more schools of any kind. And he said, no, no, no. What is most necessary is to find groups of apostolic laymen, and at that time, we didn't have inclusive language, so I'm sure he meant lay women as well, to take ownership of their Catholic faith, their Catholic parish, and move the ball and not leave it up to the few quote-unquote religious educators, whether they be clergy or not, to do all the work for them. That was such a nice, what we call, ecclesiology, because it gave the laity a complete escape route from ownership and responsibility and accountability almost completely father and sister will do this for us. In fact, there was an old book called Why Catholics Can't Sing. <laughs> had everything to do with this passive approach, this spectator posture that most of the laity were most comfortable in. Church responsibility, that's the domain of the clergy. Entirely. I was recently talking to one such regular guy, and he's a good guy and a daily communicant. But when I tried to explain to him all these issues and difficulties within the church. He didn't want to hear it, okay? Because he doesn't want to go to work. He doesn't want to brainstorm any new pastoral strategies for the vitality of our local parish, organize and rally the troops to try to change things to get back to the roots of a healthy parish and being authentically Catholic and on the same page as one. So, ladies and gentlemen, 
there is a need for a war room. That's right, we call ourselves the church militant, and we need a war room for the church. In other words, we need to get practical at a grassroots level, the moms and dads, the regular guys and gals, the very people that our Lord chose to be leaders, okay? Remember, he didn't choose the intelligentsia of the Sanhedrin of his time. They were the educated ones. He chose fishermen. I have a funny feeling that was pretty significant, all right? He, he, he chose fishermen, the well-rounded, rugged kind of guy who would lead a charge, who would lead a crusade. And now is the time, ladies and gentlemen, for groups like that. And I simply suggest, as a starting point, that those good men in every parish get together, make sure you pray, always prayer before action, and organize kind of a Magna Carta or contract with Catholicism for your local pastor and come up with any number of bullet points that represent the building blocks of a healthy, vibrant parish and how it should speak to the people and to your local neighborhood so you can bring them in and Get that historic appointment with your local pastor. And go from there. And I think you're going to find that the pastor may be unbelievably surprised because he's kind of been waiting for such men to come knocking on the rectory door. And they never do. But I think he'll be uh, delighted uh, that he doesn't have to deal with uh, credentialed people from Jesuit universities with three letters after their name all the time who are nine times out of ten not being faithful to the teachings of our church. The pastor wants to be surrounded by healthy role models who are not fighting an age-old lifetime war against Catholic tradition. And I'm telling you, many of them in private conversation will express such, but they can't go public with that sentiment because of who they're surrounded by. Ladies and gentlemen, I am telling you the truth, the whole truth, and absolutely nothing but the truth based on an awful lot of experience through the years. So all you men of St. Joseph and other guys that are coming home, perhaps, you can't put the rose-colored glasses on and think that everything is all honky-dory because you, at a personal level, have made a reversion. You're coming home. This is all a good thing. But you got to remember, we missed you. And things kind of went sour while you were gone. So before you kind of take the happy pill, many of them can be charismatic, okay, in their uh, spirituality. Uh, the problem is they've got to deal with the reality of the lethargy and the malaise that has simply filtered into the fiber of our parishes and the church as a whole in general, the chancery, okay? That's where uh, mission control dictates the agenda across the board. Uh, who's, who's manning it? Who's in control, okay? Are they regular guys and gals? I won't say a word. And when you're thinking about that contract with Catholicism, I would call it, to present to your local pastor, well, how about starting with the Ten Commandments and go through them one by one and cover any number of topics that fall under each commandment? And are these being taught somewhere within the parish, whether it be in catechism class, the pulpit itself? But make sure, ladies and gentlemen, that anybody that is involved in catechesis, teaching the faith, especially to our children, is absolutely on board with exactly what it is that the church teaches relative to these commandments. And yes, that means that you're covering such things as contraception is forbidden for Catholics within marriage and absolutely forbidden outside of marriage. And sodomy, 
is still sodomy, hasn't changed its name at all, despite the culture that we're living in right now. Abortion is the killing of innocent human life from the absolute instant of conception. It's not about how many weeks are tolerable. No, no, no. How about stem cell embryonic research? Not acceptable. I'm sure not a lot of highlight was given to that during the experimentation with vaccines over the last two years. But ladies and gentlemen, the Ten Commandments are the absolute basics of our whole Judeo-Christian tradition. And it's important that there's no divisive position being held by anybody within the parish, that everybody is exactly on board with official Catholic Church teaching. Sounds so elementary, doesn't it? But I promise you, this hasn't been the case for decades. Because as I mentioned before, I went to school with so many of these people that graduated with their MEDs in religious ed from Boston College. And they weren't on board with the catechism back then. And I promise you, most of them did not evolve towards the catechism. You see, ladies and gentlemen, you have to be one, one holy Catholic apostolic. And when you are, it's a very attractive thing. And we have been the house divided for way too long. And all too often, the house silent. So the contract with Catholicism starts with knowing the church's teachings on very important issues. But it goes beyond the cerebral. There need to be real service opportunities within the parish, a vibrant youth ministry, a vibrant music ministry, socials with food and beverage and song. How about adoration with song as well? Opportunities for benediction. And let's make sure that the rosary group is not just an elderly group of women. In a recent interview I did with a priest from the Philippines, his whole order, the Disciples of Mary, was started by young high schoolers praying the rosary and singing. That's how it all started. I'm reminded of Dr. Taylor Marshall on the internet so often in virtually every show says either at the beginning or the end, make sure you're praying the rosary. If you're not praying the rosary, you're not on the team. And that should be a much greater litmus test of orthodoxy and true faithfulness as a Catholic parish. How many are praying the rosary? And we need to encourage that practice to the max. And then we won't have to worry about the MED or PhD or whoever that just came in from a lofty, quote-unquote, Catholic university that isn't Catholic anymore. No, it's all about faithfulness and prayer as the undergirding of joyfully Catholic. Let's take a break and get back to You Shall Stand Firm, preserving the faith in an age of apostasy. This is WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. Okay, well, before the Holy Day holidays... And that is how we should refer to them. We were in chapter 7 of You Shall Stand Firm with Father William Casey, chapter entitled The Devil, Father of Lies and Murderer from the Beginning. What a perfect topic to start the new year. Because <laughs> he has to be on the platter exposed as often as possible, no matter whether you hear his name mentioned in the lamestream media or not, okay? He's operating through that crazy media every waking minute. And so Father Casey is just reminding us, as he says in the first sentence of this chapter, we are at war. We are literally in the fight of our lives. It is not just a battle against the evils of Marxist socialism, international terrorism, or some worldly axis of evil, but it is against the leader, the founder, and author of all evil and terror, and that is Satan and his culture of death. 
And so he then proceeds to rattle off so many of the lies, the lies that we are subject to both in the church and in the outside world. But as St. John Henry Newman had said over a century ago, he felt fortunate to be living at a time when the enemies of the church were on the outside looking in. He said there would come a time when the enemies would be on the inside looking out. Did you hear that one? There would come a time when the enemies of the church would be on the inside looking out. The lies just keep coming, and by now you've probably heard them all before. And then he proceeds to go through, and I I couldn't read them all because they were so depressing, but not unfamiliar, that is for sure, talking about the calling of the Word of God itself into question, you know, this whole movement towards historical, scientific, literary exegesis, basically diminishing the absolute authority of the scriptures as divinely inspired by the authors, etc., and diminishing the role of the Mass, not so much as a holy sacrifice that it is every time a Mass is conducted by a priest, correctly, matter and form, that it is an unbloody sacrifice of our Lord once again, not just a memorial or symbolic. Too many would like you to believe it's just kind of a tabletop meal sharing, and thus the altar got repositioned and the priest now faces the congregation, etc., etc. Don't need all those icons and all that incense, and you know, that puts your gaze on the other world, and we're living down here. Uh, The social justice bent of most of our leadership at the current time. More important to put the political emphasis on who gets what amongst the material goods of this world, as opposed to what's really necessary for the salvation of your soul for all eternity. The lies in the sexual realm, as long as it's consenting adults, no big deal. Now we have marriage being redefined after 6,000 plus years. Abortion versus pro-choice speaks for itself and how the devil changed that language to get decent people to be on the other side. And basically, uh, to finish off the list, he said to you parents out there, why don't you stop trying to impose your beliefs and your old school moral standards on your kids? You're going to give them the best education you can buy by sending them to college. (laughs) I'm reminded of the new book by Charlie Kirk, The College Scam. Why don't you just back off and let them decide for themselves what they want to believe and how they want to live? Of course, they don't know what they believe, so we're giving them these rights to do it their way without any information, any education, any what we call catechesis. Let's never forget Father Casey's wisdom in one of our prior shows. After three generations lacking in catechesis, the barbarians are at the door. The next lie. You know, you can't stick your nose into their business. If you want peace in the family, oh, here we go. And now the, you know, blood is thicker than water. No, not my family. These things may be true uh, out in the real world somewhere, but that can't be the case amongst ourselves. Or the more famous line, that'll hurt their feelings. I want to see them again. When you put God first, you'll see them again in the right way. Keep your mouth shut or you're being judgmental and intolerant. Just worry about their bodies. Their souls will take care of themselves. (laughs) These are are classic. He's got them right down on the bullseye. The next lie, you don't have to go to Sunday Mass anymore. You can worship God in your own way. That's the thing now. There are no more holy days of obligation. Notice how many of those have been taken right out of the uh, Latin rite calendar, at least. And you don't have to go to confession anymore, either, because, you know, corporal works of mercy are going to just completely wipe that slate clean. That's certainly a post-Vatican II emphasis. 
and thus the priest only has to give a half an hour to confession on a Saturday afternoon from 3 to 3.30 for the whole parish? Uh, like venial sin is not necessary to get rid of by and through confession? All of that is old church stuff, and the old church is gone. There are new churches now, and we're here to fill the role. Listen to us. We are the church of the present. Notice the present. The new gurus, the deep church, the deep churchers within our church, they never want to look back. They never want to take the wisdom of the past and bring it into the modern day. They act always as if Vatican II started church history. I've got a PhD. Young people don't listen to your parents. They're backward and old-fashioned. Don't let them spoil your fun and don't let them tell you how to live your life. Now, this is the taking over of your family by the global village. The we know better than you educators, quote unquote, of our time. And we know where that ideology comes from. Just a few more lies to finish it off here and start the new year so that we're thoroughly familiar with them. You want to be popular, don't you? All your friends say you've got to be free. You've got to be you. You've got to have it all. You want to be happy. Go all the way. Just do it. Oh, how about that famous t-shirt that we've seen all over the place through the years? You've got to experience life to the fullest. Do your own thing. Whatever turns you on. There's no morality in it. Just look at the scandals caused by all the priests. Oh, can't say anything. Who am I to judge, right? Even our Pope says things like this. That's the problem. That's the problem. When the leadership doesn't think it's supposed to provide fraternal correction to the flock, we got a big-time problem. He's completely out of context. Just want to reiterate from some shows prior. Just for the New Year record, judging has to do with trying to determine yourself a person's eternal fate, i.e. heaven, hell, purgatory. That we can never do. It does not mean... I am not my brother's keeper. You're not going to point out moral wrongdoing when it's clearly obvious and you've been given the graces of the Holy Spirit to do so. It is your obligation. We're not hearing too much of this from the Vatican. Another lie. There is no such thing as hell, and even if there were, God would never send anyone there. Everybody's in, ladies and gentlemen. This is a, a, a good drinking club, okay? Come in. Come all. A loving, merciful God would never allow that to happen. Don't worry about it. And don't worry about your sin. There's no need to examine your conscience. It's not like you're a criminal or anything. Nobody's committing, you know, wicked acts of murder. How about the rest of the commandments, I'd have to add? The things you do don't really hurt anyone, and if they do, it's bad psychology. It's not your fault. You're a good person. You're good enough right now. Why do you have to change? Why worry about an afterlife? Why bother with all that purgatory stuff? Live it up here and now, and if you want to change later, that's, there's plenty of time. <laughs> oh, this is, this is perfect. Why is it that we haven't heard this in most of the course of my lifetime? I know it's all true from the theological circles I've had to travel for 40 years, but God's good people are not privy to its origins, which is in our church. Yes, sirree. That's what I said. We have a very persistent, ongoing, creepy kind of evil that filtered in a long time ago. Be aware of the jerk. To start the new year, I say it once, I say it again. He doesn't come with horns. This is WQPH Radio 89.3 FM for the new year, for your halo, and for mine. Do pray for me today, my birthday, on the Feast of the Divine Infant. Very, very special to me. God bless. Let your light shine. That is what it's all about here at WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. 
But we need to hear your story. You want your voice to be his voice. That is making the faith known to others. Please, my number is 877-625-3727. Tim Kilcoin, TalkCatholic.com. St. Mother Teresa told us, your ministry is your work right where you are. Grab on to this microphone. God bless.